Okay, John 10, verse 1 through 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheephold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that a man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hears his voice, and he calls out, and calls his own sheep by name, and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find the pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is not, he who is hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves his sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because it is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not in this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. And then verses 27 through 29. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. This is the word of the Lord. Welcome back. Hope you guys had a good week off and are ready for the home stretch, so to speak. Seven weeks, I think, which is crazy to think about. But I'm glad you're here at RUF. And again, I extend my welcome to you, no matter this is your first time or you've been coming all semester. We're glad you're here, and I would love to meet you and get to know you. And so please come introduce yourself and um, just know that wherever you are, whether you're doing great or struggling, uh, we want you to feel safe here, and so glad, thanks for coming. Let me make one note about summer conference. Um, I think it's one of the best things that RUF does. It's a great mix of tons of free time at the beach with a thousand college students, so lots of fun things, but also uh, great teaching and training and seminars and worship together. And so. If you have that week after, I think, the 12th through the 17th, which is week two, please consider it. And I will say this. If you're on the fence, it would probably be good to go ahead and make a, uh, a decision because the way things are trending, uh, RUF National Office contacted us yesterday and said that it will be full by the end of the week. And so if you're thinking about it, I don't know, can't guarantee that will happen, but the trends point that way. And so if you're thinking about it, uh, make a decision, sign up. We'd love to have you. It'll be tons of fun. If you have your Bible, if you're not already there, turn with me to John chapter 10. We've been studying the Gospel of John this semester, and one of the things that we've learned throughout the entire time together on Wednesday nights is we've been looking at this kind of one theme, and it's basically the theme verse for the Gospel of John. And he tells us this 
uh, verse is actually in chapter 21, but he says, I've written this gospel. He tells us exactly why he's writing and what he wants us to get out of it. And it's this, uh, that you might believe in Jesus Christ, and by believing in him, you might find life in his name. So that's, that's really what we've been looking at all semester through different passages in John, is who is Jesus, and how can we find life in his name? And that's what we're going to do again tonight through John chapter 10. Uh, but before we do, let me pray and ask God to help us. Let's pray together. Full atonement can it be. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Father, we come and we thank you for dying for us and saving us from our sin and brokenness. And as we come into this room, Father, we come from all different sorts of places tonight. On the one hand, some of us have never been better and maybe even have a hint of self-righteousness because we're doing so well spiritually. Others of us come limping into this room and feel very broken because of what happened on spring break. And we're looking for a word. We're looking for some sign uh, or word from you that you still love us and that you still care and that you forgive us. Father, would you convince all of us tonight, no matter where we are, no matter if we've never been better spiritually or whether we're limping spiritually, would you convince us that the need is the same? We all need the gospel. We all need Jesus. Would you show us Jesus tonight? It's in his name we pray. Amen. All right. The movie Taken. I know it's a pretty old movie at this point. But Liam Neeson, uh, in the movie Taken, if you've seen it, um, it's deeply terrifying on one end, especially for someone like me who's a father of all girls. <laughs> but on the other hand, I find the movie deeply compelling. Something about that movie draws me in and captivates me. If you haven't seen the movie, Liam Neeson, basically, he kills terrorists. His job in life is to hunt down terrorists and kill them. That's what he does. And the storyline or the basic plot is that his daughter is vacationing in Europe. And there are some men that want to kidnap her and sell her to prostitution. And if you've seen the movie, you know that she's actually on the phone with her father, Liam Neeson, when that happens. And he hears the whole thing go down. He hears the kidnappers grab his daughter pull her from out from under the bed. And then if you remember, this is my favorite part of the movie, actually. One of the kidnappers puts the phone up to his ear. And you remember what Liam Neeson says. He says, I don't know who you are. And I don't know what you want. But if it's a ransom you're after, then I have no money and you will not get a ransom from me. But here's what I do have. 
I have a particular set of skills that I've acquired over the course of my career, and they make me a nightmare for people like you. Release my daughter now, and we'll pretend like this never happened. But if you don't release my daughter, mark my words, you, sing, you remember this thing, <laughs> I will hunt you down, I will find you, and I will kill you. And as I'm watching that scene, and even as I relay it to you, it makes me want to run through this wall. <laughs> I, it fires me up. And so, listen, as you see that movie, it's deeply terrifying. Yes, but at the very same time, it's deeply compelling. Why is it deeply compelling? Why does it fire you up when you watch that movie and you hear him say that line? Here's why. Because the movie is about a father who has the power, who has the ability and the love to pursue his daughter and to rescue her and restore her and bring her back and he will stop at absolutely nothing until his daughter is safe in his arms. That is exactly the picture we get of Jesus in John chapter 10. Every single one of us, no matter where you find yourself tonight, more than anything else, you want someone to love you like that. That's why it fires us up. You want someone who will stop at nothing in order to come get you and to pursue you, and to rescue you, and to restore you. And in this passage, friends, Jesus comes and he says, I'm the good shepherd. And if you believe in me, you're my sheep. And if you are my sheep, then I will stop at nothing until you are safe in my arms. If you are my sheep, then I will care for you just like a shepherd does his sheep. I will care for you and I will protect you and I will restore you. Friends, the picture tonight of the good shepherd should encourage us all as we study John chapter 10 tonight. We're going to learn three things in this passage about the good shepherd. And we learn it through seeing his sacrifice. Number one, you see an outline printed for you through seeing his voice and through seeing the security that he brings. Those are the three things that we're going to look at in our time together. So let's look at number one, his sacrifice. If you heard the passage being read or if you're reading through it, you can just glance over it real quickly. You'll see that Jesus multiple times refers to himself as the good shepherd. But he also sets that image beside false shepherds, doesn't he? Look at verses 1 and also verses 8 through 10. Jesus warns us of false shepherds. How do we know the difference then? That, the question is, how do you know the difference between a false shepherd and the good shepherd? Well, the primary difference is this. The good shepherd 
lays down his life for his sheep. But a false shepherd will never sacrifice for you. Look at the passage. Look at verses 11 through 13. We see it very clearly. Hired hands care nothing for the sheep. And when danger comes, what do they do? They hit the ground running as fast as they can away because all they care about is themselves. And in the end, if you look at the passage, they only still kill and destroy. But we see sitting right next to that in the passage this image of Jesus, the good shepherd, who does what? Willingly laying down his life for his sheep. In other words, the good shepherd is the one that will die for you. But we can't miss this in this passage, and it's easy to miss. The assumption in this passage is that everyone is following a shepherd. All of us tonight, as we sit in this chapel, is looking to something or looking to someone in order to feel safe and secure. You're looking for something for protection or something to care for you. And what this does is the passage actually forces us to ask the question, a hard question. Who or what is your shepherd tonight? What are you looking to in order to make you feel safe and secure? Tim Keller tells a story about a time when he was talking with an Ivy League counselor. And he tells Tim Keller, he's a pastor in New York City, that depression and anxiety in Ivy League schools is off the charts. Why? Well, think about it. Students, when they're in high school, maybe they weren't the most athletic or the most popular but they were really, really smart, and they graduated at the top of their class, and they blew the ACT out of the water and get into an Ivy League school, and they go to an Ivy League school, and all of a sudden, you're with everyone who blew the ACT out of the water. You're with everyone who is really, really smart. Everyone graduated at the top of their class, but somebody's got to get B's and even C's. And so it causes this, for Ivy League students, it causes this identity crisis in their life that eventually leads them to anxiety and depression. And what that shows us is that when you start to follow the academics and start to live for academics, and that actually becomes your shepherd, it will eventually enslave you and kill you. It will never protect you. It will never love you the way that you think it will love you. But the students started out thinking that it would, and they thought that the academic shepherd was going to deliver for them. Yes, all of my hard work. All of my studying has paid off. I'm in an Ivy League school. I finally made it. And they get to the Ivy League school. Or maybe this describes you. 
And as they get in, suddenly they realize that the shepherd of academics is relentless and demanding. And always demanding more and more and more, more work and more time, and never lets up. And then all of a sudden, when you can't keep up, or you're not smart enough to quite make the grade, there's no forgiveness but only more demands and more depression and more anxiety. But maybe for you it's not academics. Maybe you're following the shepherd of college life. Maybe you're following the shepherd of the popularity and being the life of the party and because you struggle with the fear of missing out you rarely miss a party or rarely miss an opportunity to have the time of your life. And you lay down and you struggle to get out of bed the next morning and whenever it is that you get up, you tell yourself, I know my life's got to change. I know I need to be living differently. And then what happens? Well, the demands of being the life of the party doesn't let up. It does not forgive but demands more and draws you into one more late night into doing things that you never thought you would do and to think of failing the shepherd of fun popularity be, uh, fun popularity becomes unbearable in your life friends those are false shepherds and they'll never deliver for you the way that you think they will deliver in fact they will steal your joy and crush you and grind you into the ground. They'll never die for you. And they'll never forgive you. And so it makes sense, doesn't it, if you look at the passage, why Jesus says the thief, the false shepherds, they simply come to steal, kill, and destroy. And look, you might not be able to put your finger on it quite yet, and I understand that. But this is actually God's grace in your life through this passage. Because God is trying, Jesus is trying to give every single one of us a wake-up call tonight through John chapter 10. Because he's saying, despite what you might think, that this is not a phase in your life. But that your false shepherds actually want to kill you. That they actually want to destroy your soul and grind you into the ground. And Jesus comes and says, I'm the good shepherd. Come to me. Look at verse 10. And have life. And have life abundantly. Friends, the good shepherd does not leave you in depression. The good shepherd does not mock your failures. The good shepherd doesn't say, try harder tomorrow. The good shepherd comes and he renews and he forgives and he restores and he lays down his life for the sheep. That's number one. The good shepherd, we see his sacrifice. Secondly, we see his voice. Look at verses 3 through 6. As Jesus is talking about the good shepherd, he offers up this picture and one of the things he points to about the good shepherd, you see it repeatedly in the passage, is his voice. 
And he says that the sheep hear his voice and they follow him. What does that mean? Well, the sheep are able to identify the voice of Jesus and they're able to hear it and love it and follow it. Why? Because they know that following Jesus brings them life and not death. Let me try to explain. The voice of Jesus is revealed in his word in the Bible. That's where we hear and see the voice of Jesus. And so if you read the Bible, or if you hear the Bible taught, let's say at RUF, or at another campus ministry, or you hear the Bible taught at your local church on Sundays, and your knee-jerk first thought is, oh no, great. Here's one more thing I need to do. Here's more guilt that is heaped upon me. Or I've got to do this, or God is going to get me. If that's what your first reaction is as you encounter the voice of Jesus through his word, you need to know that it's not the voice of Jesus. It's not the voice of the one who laid down his life for the sheep. That is the voice of a stranger. Friends, the voice of Jesus, the word of God, is never meant simply to be a list of do's and don'ts in more ways for you to feel guilty about yourself, about what you're not doing. Is the Bible a list? Does it have do's and don'ts in it? Absolutely, but that's not primarily the purpose of this book. The primary purpose of this book and of the voice of Jesus, it's see it in verse 10 again, is to give you life and give you life to the fullest. Let me say it this way. The primary purpose of Jesus coming and of the words of Jesus is to show you what it looks like to be fully human and to function the way you are intended to function as a human being. C.S. Lewis says it this way, the voice of Jesus is given for the proper working of the human machine. In other words, here's what it means. Despite what you might think, and some of you think that this book just keeps you from having all the fun, and that Jesus is Debbie Downer. No. Jesus speaks and gives you his words because he wants you to listen to him, because he loves you and wants to protect you and wants to show you how life works best. Did you know that it's possible to interact with this book to read the Bible, to hear it taught, and to actually run around Jesus and miss him. And when you hear the word taught, and when you read it for yourselves, if Jesus is not in the equation, then it's a false voice. Because this book, from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, it's about Jesus. It's not about us. We're not the main character in the story. He is. And so what that means is that every time we interact with the Word of God, that it points us to Him. And it should push you to, towards Him to love Him and to worship Him. And if it doesn't, then you shouldn't listen to it. Because it is a false voice in your life. If you interact with this book... 
And it tells you that life is found in something besides Jesus. Or it's something Jesus plus something else. It's a false voice. And you shouldn't listen to it. If you interact with this book and leave a meeting like RUF or your own personal time with God and you think more of yourself and little of Jesus, then you're listening to the voice of a stranger. And so the question is, whose voice are you listening to? Is it a voice that you love and a voice that you cherish? You see, all of us have voices in our lives that we love, don't we, and cherish. Think about your own life. For me, it's the voice of my daughters. There's nothing better than at 5.30 in an afternoon pulling in the driveway and going in the house and hearing those feet hit the floor and hearing the voice, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. I hear the voice, I love the voice, and it never gets old. Friends, Jesus, that's, that's what we're seeing here in John chapter 10. If you are Jesus' sheep, there comes a point in your life when you hear his voice and you hear and you interact with the word and it's more than just, oh, this is such a drag, it's keeping me from having all the fun or it's a list of do's or don'ts. No, there comes a point when you hear it and you love it and you're drawn to it because you know it's his voice. And as you're drawn to it, it shows you the dark corners of your heart while at the very same time calling you by name and pointing you to the greatness of who Jesus is and what he's done, and it points you to worship because you realize that Jesus has died for all of your sin while at the very same time giving you his perfect record of obedience and righteousness that he won on your behalf. And as you interact with it, you love it, and you want to obey it because you realize that this is life itself. And you realize that there's no way that you'll ever survive, survive life and navigate life without it. And so here's a question. Is the Bible that for you? Have you ever experienced that in your own life as you've interacted with God through his word and through his spirit? And if there's never been a time in your life when you feel like you've experienced that, then it forces you to ask some hard questions. And the first question is this, and really the only question, do you belong to Jesus? Do you hear his voice? Are you one of his sheep? We've seen in this passage his sacrifice, his voice, and then lastly, his security. Look at verses 28 through 29. This is the favorite, my favorite part of this passage. And I don't know about you, but in my own opinion, this might very well be the most comforting and thrilling words to ever come out of the mouth of Jesus. Let me read these verses. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they never will perish. And listen to this. 
and no one no one will snatch them out of my hand no one will snatch them out of my hand you want to know and see the final and most glorious ca- characteristic of being a sheep it is this that there is a calm security a tangible comfort a confidence that you have because you are absolutely secure in the shepherd's loving arms. No one can pluck you out of his hands. That's what makes the gospel such good news, isn't it? Notice the passage doesn't say, nothing can pluck Jesus out of your hand. You've heard me say this before a few weeks ago. Christianity is not about how tightly you're holding on to Jesus. It's not about how tight your grip is on Him. If that were the case, we're all done. Because half the time, our grip is really, really weak. No, that's not it. Christianity is not about how tightly you're holding on to Jesus. It's about how tightly He is holding on to you. That is the promise of the Good Shepherd. That it is not about your confidence in life. Please hear this. This is good news. It's not about your confidence. It's not about your own performance. It's not about your strength. It's not about your faithfulness. It's about His. His strength, His forgiveness, His faithfulness, and His grip on you. And some of you really need to hear that tonight. Because some of you, your freshman year is coming to a close. And it couldn't have gone more poorly. And you feel like your grip on Jesus is really, really weak. And that it has slipped. And you know if your parents knew about your year that they would be very disappointed. And you're even disappointed in yourself and you're thinking that I've got six weeks left, how can I repair the damage? What do I need to do so that I can win God's affections again and so that he will love me and so that I will feel close to him like I once did? Others of you, as I said in my prayer, have come limping into this room because you've done things on spring break that you promised at one point in your life that you would never do. And some of you, as you sit here tonight, are extremely frustrated at your own sin and the things that you struggle with, and you're saying, I cannot move past this. And you're frustrated because you keep struggling with the same stuff. You keep struggling with spiritual pride. You keep struggling with body image issues. You keep struggling with pornography And you think tonight as you sit there that Jesus has grown tired of you. And you think that your grip on him seems so very weak and that there is no possible way that he's holding on to you. And Jesus says to every single one of us tonight, your grip might be slipping, but mine is not. Your grip might be slipping, but mine is not. 
because I'm the good shepherd. And you're mine, and I am holding you close. I am the one that's protecting you. I am the one that will stop at nothing in order to restore you and to bring you home. A few years ago, when Kate was five, so three years ago, we took our girls to Disney World. You can imagine um, that trip (laughs) with three girls at the time. It was pretty exhausting, but one of the days we spent in Hollywood Studios, and if you've been there, you know that Hollywood Studios means the Tower of Terror. And we would walk by the Tower of Terror all day, and you know, you would see the door open and the bottom fall out of the ride, and you could hear people screaming from all over the park. And Susie and me and my, my dad... My parents went with us on the trip to help with the girls. They wanted to, we all wanted to ride it. We have all these little ones, and we're thinking, you know, how are we going to get over there to ride it? Well, we finally decided to make a move towards the Tower of Terror, and my mom was going to watch the girls. Well, we headed off to get in line, and here come these feet behind us, and it's my daughter, Kate, who is five. And so Susie and I thought, like, she's going to get closer, see what this is all about, She won't want to do it, and one of us will just take her back, and we'll ride it later. Well, we kept getting closer and closer. Then we started thinking, well, maybe she's not scared, uh, and but you know she won't be tall enough, and so one of us will take her back, and all will be good. Well, we get closer and closer, get to the very front of the line, and we put her up, measure her, you know, on the little height chart. (laughs) She's tall enough. She wants to ride it, and Susie and I are totally freaking out, thinking we are scarring her for life, (laughs) that this is going to ruin the rest of our trip because she's going to be totally undone after experiencing this because I know what's about to happen. She doesn't. And so we're on the ride. And we do, and I do the only thing I knew to do and that is to wrap both of my arms around her and to hold her as tight as I could. And so we started out, you know, it's dark and the music, and then all of a sudden the bottom drop, the first drop comes and we drop down, and I look over and we're both holding on for dear life and screaming, but as we keep dropping, I look over and Kate is smiling from ear to ear. (laughs) And when we get off the ride, She's like, let's do it again. (laughs) Why? Well, because she was with me. She was with her daddy. And she knew that I loved her. And she knew that I would do everything in my power to protect her and keep her safe. And when I wrapped my arms around her, she felt safe insecure friends when Jesus is your shepherd it doesn't mean that you're going to have a carefree life and that there will be no sorrow and pain and heartache no but you know what it does mean that in the middle of the pain and the heartache and the sorrow and the suffering 
you will have this base note of confidence in your life. Because you'll know that the arms of the good shepherd are wrapped around you. And that no matter what happens in your life, he will never let you go. And so my question as we close is, do you know the good shepherd? Do you know his voice? That's an invitation. Let's pray.